0: Mm -hmm. Mm ¶¶ this is a sports podcast and it's about time we talk about sports once again it's been over a month and i'm so excited to tell you guys about the various leagues that are coming back that's right sports are finally here coming back and coming back strong welcome to another episode of district divided i am your host amit singh You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at District Divided. Same thing on Instagram, District Divided. And then there's a Facebook page and Facebook group where you can also interact with other people that listen to the show, and they're called, you guessed it, District Divided. I hope you're all doing well today. We're going to be breaking down many sports leagues, one of which is already back, the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL. So I'll be breaking down what the league is as well, because I don't know how many people actually follow it at this moment in time. We'll be talking about Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the WNBA. We're going to touch on the NHL as well. And then, of course, we're going to follow the NFL and break down some of the news there. Specifically, Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. Jared Stidham's got to be bummed about that. But I also have a slight suspicion he may still be the starter on day one over Cam Newton. So we'll be talking about that. And then, of course, we're going to be honoring Joe Bugle, who is a Washington Redskins legend, offensive line coach for quite some time and will forever be remembered here in the nation's capital. So without further ado, let's get back to talking about sports. That's why you're here. So kick back, relax, and let's enjoy the show. If you're a soccer fan like me, then the month of July is simply orgasmic. We've already got the Premier League back in England. We've already got La Liga back in Spain. We've got the Bundesliga that is just wrapping up in Germany. And now, here in the United States, we have both the MLS coming back and the NWSL already back. So let's talk about the NWSL first, and let me provide a little bit of background information as well. It just came back. It's the first US professional sports league to return since COVID-19 hit. The way they have come back is by introducing the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup, which is an eight-team tournament that features four games for each team to determine seating in the preliminary round. And then it's just your classic knockout tournament with the quarterfinals onwards. So some quick background on the league. The NWSL has been around since 2012 and has nine teams in it so far. Now you may have heard that I just said there were eight teams in the tournament. The ninth team is the Orlando Pride, and the reason that they're not playing in the tournament is because they had six different players test positive for COVID-19, so they chose to withdraw from the Challenge Cup. Now, talking about previous champions, the Portland Thorns and FC Kansas City have each won the championship twice, and the North Carolina Courage have won it three times, one of those times being formerly known as the Western New York Flash. They're also the most recent winners and back-to-back defending champions. Those teams have also won all but two of the NWSL Shield Awards, awarded to the team's regular season champion. Seattle Reign FC won those two other times. Now, from the local perspective, we have the Washington Spirit in the league, and they have never won the NWSL Championship, nor the nwsl shield but we do have 2019 world cup final goal scorer and bronze ball winner rose LaBelle, who is arguably the best women's player in the world at the moment and therefore the best player at the tournament now the washington spirit have already begun the tournament they've played their first game against the chicago red stars now you may have seen julie Ertz and casey short their very powerful moment and image where they're both kneeling during the national anthem and crying in each other's arms Well, their opponents were the Washington Spirit. Other players that you may know on the Chicago Red Stars besides Julie Ertz are Morgan Bryan and Alyssa Nair. Alyssa Nair being the goalkeeper for the U.S. women's national team. So let's just get straight into the game. In the eighth minute of it, Rose Lavelle slipped a ball through to forward Ashley Hatch, who had her 1v1 attempt blocked by Alyssa Nair. But Lavelle followed up and hit the rebound in to put the Spirit up 1-0. Absolutely perfect start to the challenge cup ashley hatch would then double the spirits lead in the 46th minute blocking a clearance from Melissa nair that was preceded by honestly a very very bad first touch a very poor first touch from Melissa nair and then just five minutes later morgan Bryan, name mentioned earlier scored to bring the score to two to one in the 89th minute so it's still two to one spirit at this point over the red stars bianca st george who plays outside mid or outside back for the chicago red stars had a brilliant opportunity to tie the game just eight yards out but keeper aubrey Bledsoe, who who's goalkeeper of the year last season made a fantastic one-handed save for the spirit and the spirit held on to win two to one up next the spirit have the north carolina courage that's right the defending champions and back-to-back champions north carolina courage and home to U.S. Women's National Team players Abby Dahlkemper, Sam Mewis, and Crystal Dunn, formerly of the Washington Spirit. The North Carolina Courage won their first game 2-1 to one with a stoppage time winner from Lynn Williams, who has been their leading scorer the last three seasons. The game is Wednesday, July 1st at 10 p.m. The remainder of the Washington Spirit's schedule, because they get four preliminary round games and they've already played one, the next one being Wednesday, July 1st at 10 p.m. against the North Carolina Courage, the other two, Sunday, July 5th at 10 p.m. versus the Portland Thorns. And then Sunday, July 12th at 12.30 p.m. versus the Houston Dash. Houston Dash, excuse me. Their quarterfinal match will depend on their preliminary round results. 1-0 is a fantastic start, so let's see how they kick on from here. The quarterfinals will take place on July 17th and 18th. The semifinals take place on July 22nd, and the final takes place on Sunday, July 26th at 12.30 p.m. Now, how can you watch this? Well, there's something called CBS All Access. It's a streaming service, which is $6 per month, and you get the first week free, so you can just pay $6 and cancel your subscription right after. In exchange, you get all 23 NWSL games, plus some random TV shows, such as Survivor and Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra. I just signed up for it, and if you're looking for some live sports, or just some more TV, you should too. Now on to the other soccer league, the MLS. The season resumes on Wednesday, July 8th with the MLS is Back Cup. Major, major points for creativity on that name, MLS. How it works. All 26 teams will participate. There are six groups, A through F, with all groups having four teams except Group A, which has six. Each team plays three games, one against each member within its group. And Group A teams will also be playing three games, so they won't be playing against every single team because otherwise they'd have five games. These games happen for 16 consecutive days, and they have start times of 9 a.m., 8 p.m., and 10.30 p.m. Eastern every day. So it's from July 8th to July 23rd. 16 teams are going to advance from the round robin to the round of 16, the top three from group A, the top two from groups B through F, as well as the three best third place finishes from groups B through F to round out the 16 teams. Now, the point structure is not as simple as you would think. It's not like the World Cup where you have your you know, group of four and then the top two on points go through. And why is that the case? Why is it not as simple as that? Well, because there were two regular season games played in the MLS beforehand, so those point totals actually count towards this. So let's break down DC United's group. DC United is in Group C with three points, along with Toronto FC and the Montreal Impact, who both have four points, and the New England Revolution, who have one point. So this means that DC United actually have entered the group in third place, even though if you looked at Group C, it would say zero points across the board. So just keep that in mind when they're playing their games. DC United's schedule is Friday, July 10th versus Toronto FC at 8 p.m. You can watch that on ESPN. Then Thursday, July 16th versus the New England Revolution at 8 p.m. on FS1 and TUDN, formerly known as Univision. And then Tuesday, July 21st against the Montreal Impact at 10.30 p.m., on TUDN, once again, formerly known as Univision. After the group stage, it's just your classic knockout tournament for the remaining 16 teams. Round of 16 takes place from July 25th through July 28th with double headers on each day. The quarterfinals will take place on July 30th and August 1st with double headers on each day. The semifinals, August 5th and 6th, with the final being played on tuesday august 11th how to watch it once again it's going to be espn espn2 fs1 and tudn now on to major league baseball there was this entire long-drawn process between the MLBPA and the owners, and lots of bad publicity for the owners, to be honest. But they finally agreed a deal, and there is going to be a 60-game season. Your defending champion, Washington Nationals, are finally going to be back in action. And when does that begin? July 23rd. The opponents for this 60-game season will be 10 games against each member of your division, and then 20 total games played against the opposite league's corresponding division. So what does that mean? The Nationals, for example, will play the Atlanta Braves, New York Mets, Miami Marlins, and Philadelphia Phillies 10 times each, and then will play the AL East, because we're in the NL East, for their remaining 20 games, which I would assume to be four times per team. The AL East opponents for the Nats will be the Toronto Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles, Boston Red Sox, and New York Yankees, whom the Nats will open their season against. There are four quick rule changes of note that I wanna touch on. Number one, games that are cut short due to weather before they can be deemed official, meaning before the fifth inning, will resume wherever they left off instead of being replayed fully. The MLB wants to reduce the number of total innings played because of COVID, so this is why that rule change has been made for this season. Number two, Each reliever that comes into the game will now have to face at least three batters. It takes away some of the managerial 1v1 duels where you bring in a pitcher to just face one batter. This rule's been talked about for a little bit and now it's finally being implemented. Number three, the National League will be introducing a designated hitter this year. Now this is big news and it was particularly huge news for the Washington Nationals because then we were thinking Ryan Zimmerman could do this, but he has chosen to sit out and we'll get into that in a moment. Number four, the MLB wants to keep games as brief as possible. So in the event a game goes into extra innings, each half inning will begin with a runner already on second base. I honestly love this idea. I think it makes extra innings way more exciting. Imagine just the top of the 10th or bottom of the 10th. You've already got a runner on second with no outs. Any base hit will do, and it'll increase the scoring, and I think just increase the tension of the game. So I really, really like that. Now, training camp begins locally on Wednesday, July 1st. The trade deadline is August 31st, and the end of the regular season is projected to be September 27th. The MLB playoffs will remain the same, five teams from both leagues, three division winners plus two wildcard teams. The Nats have a projected win total of 32 and a half, which is just south of our division rival Atlanta Braves, projected at 33 wins. The Nats also open up at 30 to one odds of repeating as champions. Now I had touched on Ryan Zimmerman because we thought he could be a designated hitter zimmerman and joe ross will not be playing this season due to COVID concerns and i suspect other players in the mlb will also be choosing to sit out due to COVID concerns how can you watch the mlb well turner sports agreed a mega deal with the mlb to continue its playoff coverage as for the local market and the regular season it's safe to assume that masson will continue to carry nat's regular season games plus mlb.tv will likely have streams of games as well Now, on to the NBA, the National Basketball Association. The season finally resumes on Thursday, July 30th, with a doubleheader featuring the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. And then the LA Lakers versus the LA Clippers. So awesome games to start it up. All games are going to take place in Orlando, Florida. 22 teams were invited based on record, with nine coming from the Eastern Conference and the remaining 13 teams coming from the Western Conference. The Wizards were the ninth and final team invited to the field in the Eastern Conference with a 24-40 record. Each team will play eight games in what is being called the quote-unquote seeding games, with games taking place from July 30th through Friday, August 14th. From there, we have your traditional playoff structure with one exception. There is potential for a play-in between the 8th seed and 9th seed in a conference after the seeding games. Heavily applies to the Wizards, who are five and a half games behind the Orlando Magic and six games behind the Brooklyn Nets. If the ninth seed is four games back or fewer from the eighth seed, once the seeding games are all done, then there is a best of two series. A play-in quote-unquote tournament is triggered. If you're confused by best of two, thinking it always needs to be an odd number in a best of series, that's fair. Let me explain. The ninth seed, in order to take over the eighth seed, must beat the eighth seed twice, whereas the eighth seed only needs to win once in this best of two series. So in order for the wizards to take the magic spot, for example, they need to be four games back or fewer to trigger this play in series and then beat the magic to force a game two and then win game two to take the eighth seed for the right to play the Milwaukee Bucks, most likely the Milwaukee Bucks, in a best-of-seven series. The Wizards' eight games are against the Phoenix Suns, Brooklyn Nets, Indiana Pacers, Philadelphia 76ers, New Orleans Pelicans, Oklahoma City Thunder, Milwaukee Bucks, and Boston Celtics. Now, the Wizards are very unlikely to make the playoffs, but the Brooklyn Nets, who were currently six games behind with only eight to go, they have a number of players missing. Kyrie Irving's not going to play. DeAndre Jordan's not going to play. Spencer Dinwiddie just tested positive for the coronavirus, so he may not play. They're missing a lot of key players, so you never know. But it does make it harder for the Wizards knowing that forward Davis Bertans has already come out and said he is sitting out the restart of the season. And I had alluded to some of the Brooklyn Nets that are sitting out. There are also other NBA players that are choosing to sit out as well. The NBA playoffs would then begin on August 17th, and the finals will be played starting September 30th, ending no later than October 13th, with NBA free agency beginning just five days later on October 18th. Now you talk about a basketball overload because it is heavy, and then we're jumping right into the next season starting December 1st. The games that are happening during the seeding round for those two weeks, they're gonna be anywhere from five to seven games a day. So this is very exciting news. What's not so exciting? In the last round of testing, 16 of 302 NBA players tested positive for COVID. So aside from players choosing to sit out due to the country's ongoing racial tensions, there may also be others that sit out due to COVID concerns. These are two stories to watch as we move forward to see if the NBA season does in fact occur. There appears to be some uncertainty about it, though the plan is for it to resume again Thursday, July 30th. How to watch. TNT, ESPN, ABC, and NBA TV are all available for national coverage. For local coverage, you'll be able to watch on NBC Sports Washington just as you have always been able to. On to the WNBA. Your Washington Mystics, your defending champion Washington Mystics, will be back in action when the season tips off on Friday, July 24th. The WNBA will be shortening its season to 22 games per team, and all games will be played at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Point guard Natasha Cloud and forward slash center LaToya Sanders will be sitting out the 2020 WNBA season due to racism and COVID concerns, respectively, which is a big blow to the Mystics' chance to repeat as champions. Both of those players logged at least 25 minutes or so during the season and the playoff run last season. As of right now, there is no full schedule release, but we'll keep you all updated as things progress with the WNBA. Moving on to the NHL, they just tested over 1,400 players and staff and got about 15 positive tests back. So overall, that's about a 1% positive rate during phase two of their return. The NHL is still planning on returning at the end of the month, but have yet to pick hub cities where the Eastern and Western conferences will play respectively. So just to reiterate, the NHL is going to be choosing two different cities for the Western conference and Eastern conference. And that's where all the games will be played. There's still a decent deal of uncertainty with the NHL return, along with some public backlash given COVID concerns. So there is not much more to report here at this time. Like with the WNBA, I will keep you all updated as things progress. The item next up in the NHL's progression and a bid to restart is training camp opening up on Friday, July 10th for the remaining 24 teams in contention for the Stanley Cup this season. Once again, it's supposed to be a tournament style and the Washington Capitals have earned a bye due to their strong standing in the regular season so that will conclude all the comeback plans that are out as of right now once again that is for the nwsl that is already back the mls that returns july 8th nba that returns july 30th mlb returning july 23rd WNBA returning july 24th Once again, the NHL projected around August 1st, but we'll see. It's still to be determined because they need to pick those hub cities. That will conclude your wrap-up of all the league's comeback plans. Up next, we've got Cam Newton and Joe Bugle, the NFL News. Quarterback Cam Newton was just signed by the New England Patriots the other day, and frankly, it was a long time coming. Anyone that has any knowledge of the NFL would say that this was putting two and two together. But honestly, it was so obvious this is really putting, I would say, one and one together. Something simpler, uh, if possible. Cam Newton's a former league MVP, and I've done an episode on him before where I was saying that the Redskins should not sign him, and they didn't. But I was also completely stunned that nobody else had signed him up until that point. But the New England Patriots did, and they did it their way what I mean by that is that it is now late June and he hadn't been signed, right? So when entering free agency, I'm sure Cam Newton had an idea of what he wanted. He wanted to be a starting quarterback. He wanted probably 20 million to $30 million a year on a long-term deal. But over time, the market will eventually dictate your price. Now that we're in late June, all of a sudden, Cam is probably thinking to himself, man, maybe I can't make that 20 to $30 million a year on a long-term deal that I wanted. People, for whatever reason, just have doubts about my injury. COVID made it more difficult for me to do in-person visits. So the New England Patriots have done what they always do. They dictate their terms, they play it their way, and they got their price. It's a one-year deal that's heavily incentive-laden. And if he hits those incentives, Cam can earn up to $7.5 million this year. That's not a whole lot for a quarterback. Now, at the same time, the New England Patriots are used to not paying their quarterbacks. Tom Brady actually took less money than people think, so this is well within their structure and system. But this signing is huge. It catapults the Patriots as the favorites, again, in the AFC East, because the other quarterbacks are Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and a mix of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa. And as much as I love Tua Tagovailoa, it's going to take him a little bit of time to adjust to the league. So immediate favorites again because they already have a nasty defense in new england and this is a quarterback friendly system by the way and i don't know if anyone's going to talk about it but this is the most talented quarterback bill belichick's ever coached now i know tom brady is you know the goat and has six super bowl titles and you know what he deserves all that praise he is elite he is excellent but he is not cam newton when it comes to talent cam newton was round one pick one that's rare having that combination of size arm strength speed mobility intelligence it's he is still an elite quarterback when he's healthy now the question is will he be healthy right and so when we talk about jared stidham jared stidham's been in new england for a while now he knows the system depending on what happens this summer with COVID and stuff, it may be difficult for Cam Newton to get into camp and be able to pick up the system quickly enough. So Jared Siddham may start day one, but make no mistake, this is gonna end up being Cam Newton's team and he's gonna be really, really, really for them. These are a lot of short passes, a lot of option routes for Julian Edelman to get into open space or Rex Burkhead to get into open space, James White out of the backfield. Nikhil Harry actually had a decent end to the season last season. So Cam Newton, if healthy, is going to tear it up in New England. And it's going to be very interesting for Tom Brady's legacy because, you know, a very popular topic to talk about is, well, was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? Now we're going to get a chance to find out. Cam Newton is the most talented quarterback that Bill Belichick has ever had. He's not the first round one pick one quarterback Bill Belichick's ever had. That would be Drew Bledsoe eventually replaced by Tom Brady due to injury. But if you look at the other quarterbacks, Matt Castle, he hadn't started a game since high school, and then all of a sudden is starting for the Patriots and gets paid by Kansas City. Jimmy Garoppolo, he does well for four games and all of a sudden gets paid a ton by the San Francisco 49ers. Jacoby Brissett, third round pick, ends up starting for Indianapolis. Now it's Philip Rivers' job over there. So we're talking about a seventh round pick in Matt Castle, second round pick in Jimmy Garoppolo, end of the second round, by the way. And third round pick in Jacoby Brissett. Tom Brady being the sixth round pick, but, you know, being the tenacious leader and player that he is, worked. Six Super Bowls. But he won his fourth Super Bowl at the age of 37, and Cam Newton just turned 31. So there is a lot of time for Cam. It's a one-year deal right now, but I would expect that the New England Patriots would want to keep him for longer, and maybe they work something out if Cam finds that he really grooves in New England. This could be another dynasty run, honestly. I hope not. I think we're all tired of New England winning. We want the Washington Redskins to do well. Dwayne Haskins is doing all the right things, you know, this offseason. So hopefully it's our turn, our time to shine. But on its face, on the surface, this is a very, very good signing. And it was on New England's terms, which is the scariest part. They find a way to continue going about it the patriot way so that's the cam newton signing the league has been put on notice they all screwed up especially the chicago bears the pittsburgh steelers maybe you know could have secured a longer term future there with him we saw what devlin hodges did we saw what mason rudolph did it's just (laughs) sometimes the nfl just beats itself these teams outthink themselves and They let the New England Patriots get everything. And this seems like one of those moments. So congratulations to Cam Newton for being signed. I'm sure he's going to end up making way more money down the line. But for now, I think this is a perfect fit. I really do. He's not going to be asked to do too much. And whatever he is going to be asked to do, he is more than capable of doing. More than capable of doing. He was a Patriot killer. He was 2-0 against them. Totaled six touchdowns, I want to say. Monster. Monster, and now he's paired up with bill belichick who is a genius when it comes to this stuff and mcdaniels when it comes to this stuff good for him on to more local news washington redskins offensive line coach joe bugle former offensive line coach joe bugle died on june 28th at the age of 80. he was the offensive line coach from 1981 to 1989 and he was the inventor and architect of the famous hogs the monster offensive line that led the redskins to being super bowl champions three times two times while joe bugle was here that they reached three with him and that is just a huge legacy to have you even see it in the stands where you know you got the uh, you got the people in the stands with you know the the pig noses and it's just it's cool to see that he created that legacy with that offensive line that again carried the redskins to three super bowl champions the three super bowl You know championships that we have here in the city he was also assistant coach from 1983 to 1989. after that after gibbs had retired he had stints with the phoenix cardinals phoenix cardinals at the time the oakland raiders and the san diego chargers before taking a two-year break from coaching and then he returned to washington again in 2004 when joe gibbs came back and he stayed through 2009 before retiring once again he is listed as one of the greatest 80 redskins of all time Joe Bugle's entire coaching career speaks for itself. He was a genius when it came to architecting offensive lines. And as you know, the importance of the offensive line, Alex Smith certainly knows the importance of an offensive line. You need it in order to survive in this league, and you need it in order to thrive in this league. And Joe Bugle was one of the best in the business. Rest in peace, Joe Bugle. Thank you for your terrific, terrific contributions to the Washington Redskins franchise. You will be missed, and you are in our thoughts and prayers. That is going to wrap it up for this week's episode of District Divided. Once again, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it is at District Divided. Instagram, same thing, District Divided and Facebook. We have both a page and a group called District Divided. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your day. And Poly Polo, it's your time. Take us away. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. For broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I could go for broke, but the capital is in me.